Okay, dysfunctional family systems and leadership. As our society continues to degenerate, I think we can expect to see more dysfunctions in the family system. You know, someone said that there is no perfectly functional family system out there. Every family system you want to look at has some kind of dysfunction. But when we talk about dysfunctional family systems and leadership, when we talk about leadership, a lot of times we're thinking about okay, is this person qualified? Is this person gifted? Does this person have the skills? Does this person have the ability to to teach, to speak? Uh, You know, whether you're talking about leadership in the area of hiring a worker for your business or whether you're talking about a man in the ministry or being recommended to the ministry, picking and choosing qualified people that will do your business, your ministry, you know, a, a good service and not a bad service, something that will help you in the long run. You know, it's, it's, it's very difficult to pick people sometimes that are good people. But a lot of times the qualifications that we look at is not the quali- qualifications that you find in the Bible. In other words, in the Bible, we find instructions about a bishop, and it says, you know, a bishop, and that basically means a person in charge, a superintendent. Okay, so we're talking about leadership here. But this is what your Bible says to look at. It says one one of the qualifications here is that one that rules well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man knows not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? So the Bible comes along and says, now, you, you, you may be, if we're going to pick good leaders, let's look at the man as a whole, a whole family system. Let's not just look at his qualifications. Let's take a broader view, an overview of his entire family system. Does he come from a dysfunctional family system? And this is critical when it comes to choosing good leaders. Is That Really in the Bible presents the teaching ministry of David Freeman. Okay, this first uh, passage in 1 Timothy 3 and verse 4, it says, it begins by saying, one that ruleth well his own house. Now, a man has certain responsibilities. He has his job that he's got to do to take care of his family, to feed his family, but he also has a house. Now, when I talk about a house, I'm not talking about you have to have a mansion. I'm not talking about you could live in a trailer. You could live in a motor home. But here, there is a ruling over of one's house that is extremely revelatory. In other words, if you visit a person's house and you have to parachute in just to get past the weeds, uh, you have to step over 13 broken down junk cars to get to the man's front door. And once you get in, you have to follow a little trail because the man is a hoarder collecting, you know, all kinds of junk. That is very revealing about the individual. It was funny that uh, a minister that I respected, 
that long that's passed away, but he said that he had never seen a a good minister who didn't keep his home and his proper property uh, very nicely. In other words, everything was kept up, everything was neat, everything was taken care of. So when we talk about one that rules well his own house, well, let's just start right there with the house. Um, you know, look, I, I, I'm talking about after your job. I'm talking about after you've worked 8, 10, 12 hours a day. Do you take care of what you have? Because it is extremely revelatory. It just the, the visual of how you take care of things reveals a sense of gratitude, respect, of of how you know that is revealed by your gratitude is revealed by how you take care of what you have and if you don't take care of what you have you are in no position to be a leader if you don't take care of what you have if you're not grateful for what you have now how do i know if you're grateful for what you have well you take care of it you know, it's like the boy, the father who buys his boy a bicycle, and he and the young boy leaves it out in the rain. The seat starts to rust, rot, and the chain starts to rust. And the father realizes this boy is not grateful for this bicycle that I have given him because he doesn't take care of it. Proverbs twenty four and verse thirty says, "I went by the field of the slothful and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding, basically a fool." Okay, and lo, it was all grown over. Now, he's looking at the property here. He's looking at the man's yard. He's looking at the man's home. And lo, it was all grown over with thorns and nettles had covered the face thereof, and the stone wall thereof was broken down. Now, I've done masonry work for a big part of my life in a business that I'm part owner of called U.S. Stone. And I can tell you from experience, it takes a long time. It takes a lot of neglect. For a stone wall to break down. It takes years of neglect for a stone wall to break down. Now, what I'm saying is this is an image. This is a picture of the man. It's a picture of his psychological makeup, the way he thinks, the way he reasons, the way he looks at at things, whether he is appreciative of things that God has given him. So when we talk about dysfunctional family systems and leadership, the two are very, you know, the one reveals the other, whether this person should be put into a position of leadership or not. One of the first things you want to do is go visit the man's home, visit his farm, visit his property, look at his vehicles, you know, whatever. Walk inside of his home, check it out, because that is going to reveal a lot about the individual character of the man, how he takes care of his stuff. Another thing you're going to evaluate when it comes to dysfunctional family systems and leadership is you're going to look at the person's mate. You know, if it's a, if it's a woman, you're going to look at the husband. If it's a husband, husband, you're going to look at the husband's wife. And at least to meet them. Now, I know people can put on a good front, and I understand that, but you know, it's it's a lot of times such as, for example, when two people are not getting along, husband and wife, maybe going through a divorce or something, it's easy to side up with one or the other. And the truth of the matter is, birds of a feather flock together. You know, I used to think, okay, this guy, you know, he just married a crazy woman. That was his problem. You know, it just... 
and everybody felt sorry for the guy because he had this nutty wife. Well, truth of the matter is, you know, he he was the one that made the decision to marry this crazy woman. So you cannot separate the one from the other. You cannot point the finger at one. You have to look at both individual, the marriage system as a as as two people and to evaluate if you're considering people for leadership, any type of leadership, you have to evaluate both of them, not just the one, not just the one. You know, if the wife is a pill head, okay, why is she addicted to that? I mean, what's what's going on in the in the marriage system? You have to take this into consideration. Uh, is she a housewife? Does she take care of the home? If not, why not? Well, mama just can't take care of the house cleaning. Well, why is it that she can't or that she won't do it? Big difference between the two, okay? The, these things need to be evaluated. The person... The mate of the individual, you have to evaluate both of them and consider both of them before putting people into leadership position. You know, is the man a couch potato? You know, is he productive? Does he get anything done? Again, I already talked about, okay, what does his home look like? Is he a hypochondriac? You know, always addicted to being sick sick all the time. Every time you talk to him, he's sick. You see, these things you, you have to consider because you're not just getting one person. You're getting a whole package. Is the wife suicidal? If so, why is she suicidal? I mean, again, a lot of these things you're not going to know. A lot of times it's after you've put this person in a leadership role, these things come to the surface and you find out these things. And, of course, that's that's bad when that happens. But I think to find out as much as you possibly can, instead of just looking at the skills, instead of just looking at, well, this guy is a great speaker, this guy is a great whatever he may be, he's qualified. What the Bible tells us to do is to look at the family system. If you're going to discern and have the wisdom that you need to pick good leaders, where you start is with the family system. You know, you want to look at, okay, does the guy, does the man or the woman, do they have a job? Or do they have a good work ethic? This is critical, you know. I mean, I personally, I would never even consider placing a man into the ministry who didn't have a job because there's, you know, there's just so much to learn from this process. Now, if you're retired, I understand that, but but I'm just talking about in general, it is critical. There are there are incredible character building lessons just by holding down a job and making ends meet. Now, if you've never done that, well, then you're lacking in life's wisdom, the simple life's teaching that that life gets us gives to us through experience, and that is just learning how to make ends meet, how to hold down a job, how to pay your bills. You know, I was reading something about millennials are, you know, they're moving away from home later. They're in their 20s or 30s. They're still living at home with their parents. They still don't have a vehicle. And, and in some cases, they, they, you know, they're getting married later in life. They're getting jobs later in life. They're, in some cases, they don't even have a driver's license. I mean, to me, this is pathetic. Uh, I, I'm not sure what's going on here, this lack of maturity, where you have guys who don't even desire to have a driver's license. I mean, it's, it's pathetic when you think about it. I mean, to me, that was the greatest event in my life when I was able to get a driver's license. And the sooner, the better. 
But I see people today, you know, guys, I mean, you, you, you try to hire them and you ask them, do you have a driver's license? What do you mean you're 25 years old and you don't have a driver's license? What do you mean you're 25 years old and you don't have a vehicle and you're still living at home? You know, and it's just, it's, uh, you know, when we talk about dysfunctional family systems, I think our society is generating this. Now, exactly how does it work and why is it happening like this? I'm not sure I can answer that question. But it just seems like there is a trend, or at least with these uh, statistics that I read about millennials, how that they are staying with their parents much longer. They're delaying getting married. They're delaying, uh, they're, they're delaying everything, okay? They're delaying everything. But when it comes to leadership, these are the things that you want to look at about a person. So when we talk about dysfunctional family systems and leadership, leadership, it's important to realize leadership is something that takes time to develop. You don't develop that overnight. It takes trial and error. It takes experience. Often it takes mistakes to even come to a point where you would be, even be, that is learning from your mistakes, I, I should say, you know, learning from your mistakes. But it takes time before we even fit into that category of being a a leader uh, that's worth your salt or worth anything in value. Now, as we consider that your life, you don't have a lot of time uh, left, let's say, to develop leadership skills. The average person who lives to be 78 years old will spend four years on the toilet, 26 years sleeping, nine years watching TV. So that only leaves about 39 years to get anything done in life, for you to get anything in, in done in life that is worth worthwhile. Uh, the average American, how the average American spends their time during a given day okay it says one hour online uh 10 minutes of religious activity a day thinking and relaxing 19 minutes leisure activities five hours a day watching tv two point four five or two and a quarter two and three quarter hours watching tv so you just have to realize that okay you don't have forever to do this you don't have forever to accomplish to achieve to hopefully develop some type of leadership skills in your life. Okay, the next point that is made here in Timothy, 1 Timothy 3 and verse 4, let's read it again. It says, One that rules well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man knows not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? So the next thing that we're looking at is the children. When you're considering a person for any type of leadership, be it you know work related, a job, uh, church, ministry, whatever, you want to look at the person's children. Now, you know what are the children like? Now, if the children have tattoos all over their bodies, nose piercing, ear piercings, uh, dreadlocks, uh, maybe their skin dyed a different color, you may want to take a note of that and say, okay. What's going on in the family system here? Why is this child like this? What I'm saying is it's not normal. In a functional family system, you don't normally see these kinds of acting out rebellious behavior. Uh, You know, another thing you can look at is obesity. Now, I know obesity, I mean, for the most part, obesity occurs because you eat too much. But I once read something about Women that had been molested either by uncle, by father, by someone in the family system, that often they will gain weight in order to 
it's like a shield that they put around them so that no person will ever violate their bodies again. It's, you know, now that's sad. If that's true, that is a very sad situation. But there's always a motive behind anything that we do, even if it's something like overeating, there's a reason you're doing that. So, you know, if you're considering this person and, you know, for the ministry or for hiring this person and, you know, the, the family system looks rather normal, but all of a sudden you've got this one daughter who's 400 pounds, you know, you may want to at least consider that. You may not want to just dismiss that as, boy, she really loves to eat. Uh, you, may, you may want to at least consider that. What's going on? Now, I know that no family system is perfect and no children are perfect. I understand that. But what I'm saying is everything starts in that family system. Every type of development, every type of bad thing, dysfunction, you got to look back at the family system because this is where the Bible, as far as leadership is concerned, the instruction from the Bible is look at the family system. Take a deep hard look at the family system if you really want to see and discern whether this person is qualified for some type of leadership role. You know, we could talk about, for example, a dysfunction here that that I have seen many times is that the woman wears the pants. Now, in some cases, I, I have actually seen marriages where that worked pretty well because the man was never about to wear the pants. He's never had any. He never will. And so in some family systems, I, I see that that can work uh, where the woman had to wear the pants. I mean, there was no other choice because, like I said, he wasn't going to wear the pants. But, you know, sometimes when you see that, that, that to me is a warning sign of, okay, what's going on here when, when you know, the husband is just there like a spare tire in a car and the woman the wife is making all the decision ruling the family system you know that's uh that's not the way it's supposed to be i can guarantee you that as far as the bible model for the family system the importance of the father and the leadership of the father is very important now can it work with the woman wearing the pants well yeah sure it can uh, in some rare cases but again when you're talking about leadership skill, you want to look at these areas of a family system. I want to talk a little bit about some of the dysfunctions in a dysfunctional family system. Probably one of the worst things is that if you're in one of these systems, you don't see it because you're in the system. You're in the box and you you think pretty much this is the way it's supposed to be. This is normal. And that's one of the tragedies of being stuck in one of these systems. Now, I believe the underlying motive of dysfunctional family system is to a large degree, control. Now, I don't think these people know that's what they're about, trying to control certain situations, but I think the bottom line is uh, the is the word control. Again, not that they would, you know, if you were to ask them, are you trying to control things, they wouldn't know what you were talking about. But let me explain some stuff here. One of the signs of a dysfunctional family system is the hypochondriac, and that is the person who is always sick. And the reason for that could could be obvious, they're wanting sympathy, but they're also wanting control. They want that control where they get people's sympathy uh, for them. I once knew a woman who uh, was a hypochondriac, and she was always sick from the first day that I met her until the day that she died. Uh, one time she told me, she said, look, I'm, these are the drugs I'm taking. She was taking 18 different prescription drugs. And at the end of her life, the doctor told her, the doctors told her, 
well, the reason you're dying is because your liver is destroyed. And the reason your liver is destroyed is because you've been taking all this prescription medicine. So, you know, and, and I've met people that they need pills to wake up in the morning. They need pills to survive during the day. And, and, and they need three or four more prescription medicine to go to bed at night. Well, okay, that's fine. But you are destroying your liver. Uh, the, the doctors may not tell you that, but that's what's going on. So the hypochondriac, the person who is always sick, you know, I, for example, why... Why would you put on Facebook that you're sick? Are there doctors on Facebook? I don't, you know, here's my point. You know, unless you are a doctor, you really can't help that person. I can't help that. Why would someone tell me that they're sick when I'm not a doctor? And I don't, to my knowledge, I don't have the gift of healing, but I can't do anything for you. So why would you paste that on Facebook telling everybody that you're sick? Well, you know the reason. It is to get attention. It is a form of control. It is to, to gain sympathy from others. That's why you do it. So this is what I mean. I think behind every dysfunction, there is this, even though they don't know it, the people don't know they're doing this, it is an attempt to gain some type of control. Another thing about dysfunctional family systems that I've noticed is that people that are in these systems, often they love it. I mean, they ab- they wouldn't trade their dysfunction for all the gold in the world. In a way, it's what gives their life meaning. It's what it's what makes them come alive. I mean, it's like okay, Betty Sue just got knocked up, and and Billy Bob he's in jail and got another DUI, and they're just they're going through. They're telling you this stuff, and there's no shame in it. There's there's no oh we need to repent of this. No, they love it. They love. In other words, these events, this drama that's going on. We're talking about being a, you know like a drama queen or a, a drama king. You know, this is what gives their lives meaning. And so this is a characteristic that I have seen over and over again in dysfunctional family systems is that they love their dysfunction. And if you try to take it away, if you try to offer a solution, if you come along and you say, look, if you do this, your life will work for you. Well, they get plenty. They'll want to kill you because you're taking away that thing in their life that gives their life meaning and purpose, the very thing that makes them come alive, you're trying to take away from them. And that's why often you can't help these people who are in a dysfunctional family system. Now, there are roles in dysfunctional family systems that people play. One is the um, hero. You always got this one guy who's got to be the hero of the family. Another role is the caretaker. And that usually is the person who feels like they've got to take care of everybody. They got, they can't, and these people are truly stuck. I mean, they are truly stuck in that system. They can't break away. They can't leave because they feel like, you know, they've got to be the caretaker of the family. They got to take care of everybody. You know, one of the characteristics about a dysfunctional family system is you can't do, you can't live a normal life. You can't do what the Bible, you know, for this call shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife. Well, you can't do that because you've got your caretaker role. You've got to do this for the family. You got to take care of the family. You got to take care of mama. You got to take care of daddy. You can't, you can't leave the family system. The caretaker role is one of the, one of the uh, roles that people play in the dysfunctional family system. And I think one of the things these people never mature because there's always someone there in the system, like the caretaker, who is trying to make up for the void. Their maturity is never allowed. And I would say it's, it's, 
you have to separate yourself from those family systems. You have to let each person, you know, take care of themselves instead of you trying to, because that's the only way maturity on their behalf will ever occur is if you force them to do these things for themselves instead of you doing it for them. Now, there's a scripture in the Bible in Galatians 3, 6 and verse 2. It says, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now, there is a lot of Christians almost take it for granted that, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to bear, I'm supposed to go around and bear everybody's burden, no matter who it is, no matter what it is. You know, it could be the bum on the street who is broke. It could be, you know, whatever that I'm supposed to buy. This is how I fulfill the law of Christ is by uh, bearing everybody's burden. And so I become a caretaker and I do for people what they should be doing for themselves. But let's continue on. It says, for if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Verse 4, but let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. Okay, verse 5, for every man shall bear his own burden. Now, you almost have a conundrum here. You have verse 5 that says every man shall bear his own burden, and then you have verse 2 that says bear you one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. So what is this conundrum here that we're dealing with? Uh, it's not contradict, contradicting one another. The scripture is not. It's just, you know, you've got to be smart enough to know when you can truly help. Or maybe I should say you've got to be smart enough to know when you are really helping a person. When you do for someone uh, what they should be doing for themselves, you are not helping that person. You are hurting the, that person. So you, it's, I think what this is talking about, especially in verse 4 where it says, but let every man prove his own work. Now, how are you going to do it? How are you going to let Joe Blow prove his own work? This guy that you keep helping, this person that you keep, you know, this caretaker role that you're in, how are you going to let him prove his own work? And then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another? Well, you got to let Joe grow up. Uh, you've got to let Joe take care of himself. And then there are other situations. You've got to have the wisdom to know the difference. There are other situations where a person truly cannot bear their own burden. They need some extra help. What I'm saying is you've got to be smart enough to know the difference between the two. You've got to be smart enough to know when it's time for you to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And you've got to be smart enough with wisdom and discernment and prayer and understanding of God's will when every man should bear his own burden. I mean, to me, that's an absolute statement. It's, it's, um, you should bear your own burden. I should not expect you to do for me what I should be doing for myself. Another type of dysfunction that I've seen often is people that have to be the center of attention. And often these people are the ones who can't shut it off. They can't quit talking. What happens is they are in the family system, they become a favorite. Favoritism is a very common thing in family relationships. And they get all the attention and uh, they expect it once they get older, once they move away from home, they're still demanding that they be the center of attention. You know, people that often that talk a lot, 
I used to think that, well, maybe this person is, just doesn't get any attention at home, and so he has to constantly be jibber-jabbering. But what I realized was, was, no, it's not that he's not getting any attention at home. He is the center of attention. And the reason he talks all the time is because he has to keep that up, that being the center of attention. I mean, after all, if you're talking all the time, you you, you sort of have to listen, do you not? Uh, someone's got to listen. I mean, very few are going to have the audacity to say to this person, why don't you shut the, you know, up? Uh, very few of us would, would do that. And so we're nice. And so we have to listen. But when a person is talking all the time, they are the, that's how they become the center of attention. Because you, you have to listen to this person all the time. And, you know, if people can't control their own emotions, someone said if people can't control their own emotions, then they have to start trying to control other people's behavior. And often this falls into the category of, you know, when you're around super sensitive people, you cannot relax and be spontaneous because you have no idea what's going to upset them. And so it's sort of, oh, no, don't don't you dare say that. that she'll blow up. She'll she'll get all emotional if you say that. And, and you're on pins and needles because, you know, uh, you don't want to upset this person. But my point is, again, in dysfunctional family systems, this is a type of control. This is a type of control. Again, when people can't control their own emotions, they have to start trying to control uh, other people's behavior. So we've, we've all been around these kinds of people that just can't cut it off. And, and you have to understand what's going on. This is the one, one of the ways they achieve the center of attention status is by always talking. I have a shirt that I wear sometimes that says, I'm only pretending to listen. And uh, I, I get a kick out of wearing that shirt. And then I was in I was in a, a restaurant, and the waitress had a shirt on. It says, I understand, I just don't care. Oh, I love that. I asked her where she got that at, and I told her about my shirt about uh, I'm only that I sometimes wear that says I'm only pretending to listen. So, you know, you, you've all encountered these kinds of people, but you have to understand the kind of dysfunction that led them to that point. They they were the center of attention in the family system, and they expect it even when they're 50, 60, 70 years old. Now, the reason I think all of this is important is because the Bible seems to indicate at the end time that leadership is lacking, that you look around and there is no good leadership that you can get a hold of, and people become totally, you know, it's like you be our leader, and, and yet you can't find anybody to be that is, that is even qualified to be a leader. And I think the end result is that through by this dysfunctional family systems, that that's the end results of dysfunctional family systems, that there is nothing, there is no leadership to look to. It's all been destroyed. Now, we all know that Satan's greatest agenda is to destroy the family system. And one of the ways he does this is through creating extreme dysfunctional family systems. So I just want to make that connection between leadership and dysfunctional family system. The Bible seems to be very simplistic in this area. For if a man, this is 1 Timothy 3 and verse 5, for if a man knows not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? How shall he be an effective leader? I'm David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible? Be sure and check out the podcast tab at isthatreallyinthebible.net and look at the scripture references to this program. For more information, check us out online at isthatreallyinthebible.net. 
Listen to the podcast. Watch the weekly program. Worship with us on our weekly Sabbath service. And be sure to visit our free bookstore. Again, the website is isthatreallyinthebible.net.